Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. Do you like your stories told through pictures? Then you can also follow us at Real Nerds on Instagram. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Real Nerds Podcast. We are the best podcast about movies on the internet. Scientifically verified, and that's just not a theory. I am Ryan. I am joined by Brad. Hey. And Zach. Hello. I think someone's joining us, Brad, for the first time in like three months. Who is this guy? (laughs) Somebody you guys need to somebody you guys need to keep in the text thread a little bit more consistently because I never know when we're recording anymore. <laughs> uh, that's because we never know when we're recording until we do it. So that's yeah. true. Because <laughs> our schedules are so out of whack. Yeah. No. No. Uh, 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 schedules have been all over the place um, on this end. So I'm happy to be here though to talk about the ultimate double feature. <laughs> that is correct. Part of the internet sensation that started and we jumped on the wagon this week on real nerds podcast we saw oppenheimer and barbie because every week we see a new movie and podcast our experience to the world but this week you know it it was something that I, i don't know how it started and um it grew organically and it's kind of interesting no no matter how much money Studios spend on marketing. Uh, both these studios could not have asked for a better organic grassroots marketing that someone started online that continued. It it seemed like it's a way to sustain these films to make have huge opening weekends. It seems like it's a it's it sprouted initially from those release dates, and I was actually reading that. I don't I have zero idea if this is true, but there was a theory posited out that Barbie was was um um uh slated for that same day as Oppenheimer as a, a bit of a snapback for Nolan having left Warner Brothers, but it doesn't sound no, like no, that, I mean, especially I that, but I'm talking about how it started and you know, movie fans are the ones who made it what it is. Yeah, because it because it on the surface it's ridiculous that the, that you, but you would think that you wouldn't try to push these two big movies together, but counter programming has always been a thing. Like it's amazing how people are discovering that counter programming exists. Like my my sister pointed out, 
Like, do you remember when Dark Knight came out and Mamma Mia came out on the same day? And I'm like, that's right. There used to be a time where we had various movies and not just one tent pole each week. So it's kind of cool that people just took that in stride and embraced it. Like, it's pretty magical, to be honest. Plus, too, they couldn't be yeah. more polar opposites. Yeah, like one about mm-hmm. death and destruction oh, God, and then another one about <laughs> like fun bubblegum pop. And yeah, oh, yeah, it's <laughs> on like the, the surface. It's, I did find that there is one there is another double bill that might be even more diametrically opposite coming in October because Saw X or not um, not October. I guess it's whenever because Saw moved their date. It's going to be Saw X and the Paw Patrol movie. So <laughs> I think that like this is the year where two movies are going to be clashing and seeing who wins. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm curious to, uh, before we start. How were your guys' audiences? Because pre-sales and people buying ahead of time have been off the charts nuts. I'm just wondering, like, how how did you guys like experience this? Like, was it was it was it boisterous or was it more like like everybody's just kind of watching the movie politely and then clapping and leaving? Uh, well, <laughs> again, they're two totally different films, and I saw mine, I think, four five days apart. So, um, my crowd I saw with Barbie was having a lot of fun. And last night when I went and saw Oppenheimer in 70 millimeter, um, I was concerned because there was <laughs> like these teenagers, a lot of them that went to see it. Mm-hmm. And I was, I go, Oh man, I know this is just a drama with a lot of talking heads mm-hmm. and, I don't know how it's going to go. And they were quiet the whole time. So, you know, again, yeah. two separate movies and two separate. Um, I'm just experiences glad. with both. I'm you glad know, but, to hear that there was a bunch of people just packed in at 11 o'clock at night, though. That's remarkable. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I've seen <laughs> Barbie twice and Oppenheimer uh, all late at night. And the first one was Barbie and just going to see a movie at a theater that late. And just seeing, you know, people staying up late enough for that. Like uh, the Barbie showing I went into, I was like, cool, I'm going in because I'm the only one here. And by the time it started, um, like this whole row of uh, obnoxious, <laughs> like, I don't know, teens and, and fa- family members. It's like mm-hmm. a it's like a family that had like a variety of a- age groups. Um mm-hmm. And yeah, they were talking at first, but they settled settled in. And then a couple of days later, I saw Oppenheimer. And again, I was like, God, this is 11 o'clock for a three hour drama. And like all these people are here. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm used to just walking into a an, into a ghost town. And um, yeah, that was even more packed, like uh, like even more than Barbie. And uh, there was this weird like a lot of people just kept coming in like, mm hmm. <laughs> I'd say like 40 minutes in the movie, there's still people wandering in with their popcorn and stuff or really? like talking in the wow. hallway. I was like, can we just settle it, settle down here? Like I'm trying to pay attention to this fast paced friggin' movie. That's like doing a bunch of stuff. And then, um, a couple of days ago, I saw Barbie again late at night and, uh, you know, still, I don't know, like 20 people. And, um, the crowd outside seemed like it seemed like all even like even though Barbie's doing better, it seemed like all the audiences that I've been like seeing waiting in the lobby over Oppenheimer at that mm-hmm. hour. So 
Yeah. Yeah. My only my only guess would be is because Oppenheimer doesn't have as many screenings because yeah. it's three hours long. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have a an initial handicap no matter what. I mean, and I don't feel like ratings matter much anymore, but it is an R rated three hour drama. So there's there's a couple of handicaps in its way, but the numbers that it's showing for a three hour talkie drama are pretty astounding. Like that doesn't really happen anymore. Um, those movies will generally make about like maybe 10 to 20 million and over the course of their first couple of weeks. So that's kind of, that's a remarkable feat that only Nolan's able to accomplish, which he's kind of done this before with Dunkirk, but that's a war film and it's got action abound in it. So it's, it's definitely a, it's, it's an interesting situation we find ourselves in seeing the, the returns come in this weekend. Uh, so on Real Nerds Podcast, we usually talk about a movie, some movie news, and what we've been watching. Uh, but this because there's two movies. We're going to skip the news because everything's on strike and it doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. The news is so, Barbenheimer's here. <laughs> yes. um, so we'll review each movie. Uh, recommend or not, play a trailer and then spoil it. And then we'll talk about something we watched this week. Um, first, we saw Oppenheimer. Brad, do you recommend Oppenheimer? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess. Uh, it's a quality film. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's put together well. It's acted well. Um, I just don't know. It's, 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 it's like Schindler's List. Like, I enjoyed what I watched, but I don't know if I'm like <laughs> super anxious to rewatch it. Um, and it goes by like there's so much going on. Like I had trouble keeping up. Um, I don't know if that's just a effect of it was eleven o'clock at night and I was too tired to keep up. And you know all these people in the hallway were distracting me um, or not. But um, yeah, it's it's like I it's, it's a quality film. It's just it, it's a little over my head um, it, given the pacing and distractions. Zach, uh, I absolutely recommend it. It's definitely one of the best films i've seen this year um i think it's kind of remarkable that they took a 700 plus page book and put it into three hours and i haven't finished american prometheus but it seems like every single thing you'd want in that movie is in the movie that's kind of a screenwriting achievement all its own um i i i i have one or two little minor quibbles but like they are there are things that are exceptions rather than the overall feeling. I, I think it's one of the a grand achievement to do a three hour talkie drama that demanded to be seen on as big a screen as possible because it totally justified that decision. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely go see it. Uh, yeah, it's a really good film. I, I mean, I would push back a little bit. I don't know if you have to see it on the biggest screen um, only because it's literally people talking and I don't think it's like mind blowing on the big screen. Um, Cause like I said, I saw it in the seven millimeter and it is cool seeing it in film. Um, the performances are incredible. I would argue that it made so much money because Robert Downey Jr. is incredible in the film, but you know, <laughs> it's just me. Um, here's the trailer for Oppenheimer. This is a national emergency. Didn't need a charge.
were in the race against the Nazis. And I know what it means if the Nazis have a bomb. They have a 12-month head start. 18. How could you possibly know that? We've got one hope. All America's industrial might and scientific innovation connected here. Secret laboratory. Keep everyone there until it's done. Let's go recruit some scientists. Build a town, build it fast. We don't let scientists bring their families, we'll never get the best. Why would we go to the middle of nowhere for who knows how long? Why? Why? How about because this is the most important thing that ever happened in the history of the world? You're the great improviser, but this... you can't do in your head. Are we saying there's a chance that when we push that button, we destroy the world? Chances are near zero. Near zero. What do you want from theory alone? Zero would be nice. This is a matter of life and death. But I can perform this miracle. World War II would be over. Our boys would come home. That's happening, isn't it? The world will remember this day. Our work here will ensure a peace mankind has never seen. Until somebody builds a bigger one. You are the man who gave them the power to destroy themselves. And the world is not prepared. to know what's next. Two, what's next? One. Uh, there's a really funny um, <laughs> video <laughs> circulating on the internet. And I know this guy did this on purpose. In the countdown before the bomb goes off, um, he, he, you know, it counts down and he lets out this really huge fart. Um, so, I mean, he knew he was going to do it and it was in the theater and it's really funny. So you should seek that out on YouTube. Just do Oppenheimer fart. Um, hey, uh, so you, you saw it in 70 millimeter too. Did you ever notice like a cigarette burn in the screen? Because I didn't. Uh, no. Was there supposed to be one? Uh, no, I don't think they do that anymore. They're able to they're able to paste those things in pretty seamlessly, and you don't you don't change reels that way anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I was yeah, waiting no. for it the whole time. I was like, is this still digital? <laughs> no, I, you know, it's funny. I, I thought about that with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in 35 because um, I believe I saw those burns, but I have to imagine that might be something that they added in because it's all on a plat. There's larger platter systems now. And unless you're seeing the 70, unless you're seeing the IMAX print that's supposed to be like 600 pounds, I don't know if they're going to have to change the reel that way necessarily. I could be very wrong, though, because... It's been so long since I've seen an actual film projector ever. 
it, it did give me warm feelings to see like the flicker of the light, mm. uh, which I, yeah. I hasn't yeah. seen in a while. Like it was, and you know, I, very you faintly going tell, out. Brad, I mean, I don't know if you could, I could tell that it was film um, for I sure. Couldn't. No. Yeah. I, I thought it had this like uh color to it that I could tell. Um, Anywho, uh, Oppenheimer tells the story of J. Robert Oppenheimer um, almost his whole life. Um, it interweaves his involvement in the Manhattan Project, which is developing an atomic bomb for the United States government for World War II, that they intend to use on the Nazis, because Oppenheimer uh, is upset, of, obviously, about how they treat the Jewish community and the genocide of the Jews in Germany. And um, yeah, it just traces his life throughout that period. Um, and it does kind of interweave the quote unquote present to the past and his relationships. He has not only with um, his wife and his mistress and Robert Downey Jr.'s character, Louis Straws, um throughout his this whole time um and you see a lot of what i thought was really fascinating is a lot of men with ego and not either one of them are right and they each kind of have their own come up and throughout the film um mm-hmm. because what what I, what i learned when i watched it is um you know, Oppenheimer, for all his brilliance and stuff, he was, you know, a womanizer and um, arrogant, and he thought he was smarter than everybody else, which he kind of was. But um, And then you see the political side of it with Straws and how he was trying to ruin Oppenheimer. Um, very fascinating, because I <laughs> another reason why I didn't get that much sleep, I stayed awake and I read about this whole thing that is kind of the... I guess the crux of the whole film of him having a hearing to see if he keeps his clearance or not. Cause he goes from, you know, the father of the atomic age and help develop this bomb to being kind of a pariah and an outcast in Washington. So mm-hmm. um, it's just, yeah, that, I mean, that's the whole plot of the film. Yeah. <clears throat> the, the watching the I went to IMAX digital, so I haven't seen a film print yet, but watching the black and white footage on that biggest screen and watching the, the some of the parts of scope that they were dealing with. Um, I, 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 I don't disagree with you, Ryan. Like technically you don't need like the IMAX format for that, for that long of a talkie drama, but there are moments where I personally felt very like immersed in a way that I think the IMAX screens tended to help, especially when they're out in Los Alamos. But that black and white stock footage that they, I guess they created black and white IMAX film in order to film it that way. They it had never been created before. Um, and watching, watching Strauss unwind, like, I like Robert Downey Jr. in other movies. If he doesn't get nominated for an Oscar for this film, then I have no idea what else to, I don't know what else to do because that is possibly one of the, one of the trickiest roles he's ever had to play because he does not start out as a piece of shit in the way they tell the story. And you start slowly watching him unwind a little bit over the course of the three hours. And he is, 
he is masterful the way he is handling it as equally masterful as how Oppenheimer's being played by Chillian Murphy. Like that, the, uh, uh, the, the watching those hearing sequences, like it, it, it kind of made, made you feel like you were in the room a little bit and you felt just as awkward as everybody else in that room going like, nobody wants to be here. You were the father of the atomic bomb, but um, yeah, are you a commie? <laughs> like, it, I kind of felt the tension with that kind of scope attached to it. Um, I, I will say, did anybody have an issue with the lack of, uh, I guess, uh, uh, lack of discussion surrounding the actual aftermath because they do not show any footage of Hiroshima and they do show him reacting to the footage. And I didn't, I, I don't think it's handled incorrectly per se, but I did feel like it sort of lacks some parts of Oppenheimer fully dealing with the consequences of it. I think it's there, but I don't, I feel like there's an element missing a little bit, just a tiny bit. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I need to see the footage to know what it, it doesn't happened even have to those to... people. And, um, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. You know, that's if you feel that way, that's fine. I, I you know, there's the parts of the film that I, I know what they're trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. but, but I think it, it also goes into Nolan sometimes. And he, he's a great filmmaker. I'm not taking anything away from a filmmaker, but you know, when he's uh, Oppenheimer's at the rally at the end after they drop the bomb, and he's being that very patriotic speech, mm-hmm. uh, but he's also seeing people of the effects of the bomb. I, I think it's a little too bombastic and on the nose. Mm. Um, I was more intrigued by, you know, the, the relationships the scientists had with each other and how they really don't trust each other. And then, um, you know, he comes back and he's this, you know, great big hero and, uh, Gary Oldman's small, but really interesting part of harry truman and how he felt about <laughs> oppenheimer don't you let know, that um, cry baby back in here <laughs> jesus just um but yeah it's it, you know because too i think for oppenheimer to be that ignorant to what the effects of his what he was doing mm-hmm. um I, I think is really well handled in it too where He's so arrogant that he's going to create this incredible weapon and they play with it throughout the film that he knows what it's going to do, but it doesn't stop him because he is uh, obsessed with being the center of attention where I think, um, you know, they expose that no matter how bad Robert Downey Jr.'s character quote unquote is to him. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think he's wrong in his assessment of who Oppenheimer is. I don't think I don't think there. Yeah, I I agree with you. I don't think that there's like a there's not a quote unquote good guy here to root for specifically. I think more of your empathy lies with Oppenheimer because of the of his realization um, after the fact. But they but you're right. They don't position it in in a traditional in that traditional here's your here's your sympathetic character and here's your villain it really does allow 
for that situation to unfold as you be the judge, um, which I don't think is something that Nolan has done in this way before. I mean, obviously you can throw the end of inception in there and be like, well, did the, did the die fall or whatever? Uh, but this one gives you a little bit of an interesting ambiguity where you've got to figure out where you stand. Um, on, I don't know. I think Oppenheimer's a dickhead. I mean, he literally cheats on his wife. Mm -hmm. Um, he tries his wife has, obviously has a drinking problem. He, um, you know, wants to give away his son because him and his wife, it gets in the way of his, you know, advancement in science and her happiness. Um, so, I mean, honestly, I think he is somewhat the villain of the story um, because his arrogance and his, quest for finding out knowledge is Mm -hmm. although it advances science in incredible ways it also you know reveals how not good of a person he is well it's also it's bran and and einstein are talking about it several different points it's just like you can't put the genie back in the bottle in on this one and like um and but and strauss is no no saint either i mean he's a he's a complete like politically motivated he's motivated in a political sense the way oppenheimer is motivated in a scientific sense and they both they're diametrically connected by an addiction to this rush that they get from trying to achieve something um and neither of them gets what they want at the end (laughs) nobody gets anything if anything the world is more complicated as a result But he also didn't drive his mistress to kill herself. So I mean, there's no that, that is um, very that is very <laughs> true. Yeah that that is a that is a rough part of the movie, uh, an extremely rough part of the movie. Um, uh, and, and and I think Florence Pugh handles that very well. By the way, like oh no, she, she's great in the film. Um, yeah. So Brad, I will just say that I don't think you're wrong. It didn't go over your head. There's a lot to unpack. <laughs> um, I think especially in the first hour of the movie when they start advancing theories and you're introduced to characters so fast. Um, yeah. Yeah. When it got to the uh, third act, um, you know, when they delve into the Robert Denny Jr. conspiracy plot to uh, frame uh, Oppenheimer or whatever, or take him down. It's like, Oh, <laughs> there's, there's like a third movie here going on. <laughs> Cause like, I know, I was part... actually, so... you're right. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Cause it, like it first starts out like, okay, here's the traditional, like, yeah, he grew up in uh you know college and he tried to poison his uh teacher. Okay, and then it gets like, okay, here's the bomb part that I expected, but then yeah, there's like this whole like uh yeah, the, the, they like the stuff in Congress is in the beginning too, but I didn't think it'd be like the whole third act of like now yeah, we're going to take him down. <laughs> like, oh. mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why it's yeah. just 3 hours long. Mhm. But again, it, it it brings it to a head. Like the, these the these there's similarities between each character like in the long run like obviously specifics like yeah Oppenheimer's like like, has a lot more skeletons in the closet but they're but they're running into that same conclusion of like basically by the end like at almost the same point like it's reaching the conclusion of neither is going to get the result that they want he's going to lose his clearance and then eventually Strauss is not going to get that cabinet position uh, I I kind of wish that they had um, evened out that presentation a little bit more, um, but I didn't mind a, 
a courtroom drama for the third act by any means. Like if anything, it was just, it kept me on the edge of my seat because I haven't finished the book. So I don't know all the specifics that the book will have to unfold, but man, they, he definitely nails, um, nails the intrigue part. Cause I, I, I didn't want to leave the screen. Um, and also I, I do love how they bring, uh, bring it back around to that Einstein conversation by the lake. Uh, it, it's, uh, it was a great way to end the whole thing just on that very sobering thought of, of like what, what his actions have brought upon the world at large. Um, cause there's no, like you, 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 I, I was wondering what people meant by they walked out stumbling and I kind of understood walking out. Cause I was just like, man, like I, I think you, you almost feel like the entire world is just collapsing into your head and you're trying to suss out all the pieces and you can't. Which is why going to see Barbie afterwards kind of helps with, with that. Uh, and then also the uh, like when Oppenheimer would kind of almost have like a little rage fit, and they do like the like the whitewash and the like shaking background behind him. I thought was a little cheesy. Yeah, <laughs> like, I agree. Oh, he's yeah. a, he's about to be an exploding bomb himself. Like <laughs> it, it, it is. It's a little. It's a little uh, on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. Looks cool to watch him do physical stuff like that, like without any CGI stuff. But yeah, it's it's cheesy. Yeah, but I mean, you're getting uh, it's an incredible filmmaker and an incredible mm-hmm. cast. I mean, um, people kind of haven't been talking about Emily Blunt, but she's great in the film too. She, um, you know, she has a couple scenes. I like when she's screaming at him for being so, you know you shook his hand like why aren't you fighting back and mm-hmm. um yeah she's not she's not getting enough credit i think when you read reviews it almost feels like people are thinking she's too relegated i'm like well it, it may, that may be in the grand scheme, scheme of a three-hour film but i think she brings a lot to the film um and the scene where she's giving her testimony and then she sees the mistress and him making love it's it's She's she's put in a very complex situation to deal with, and when when she's giving out her testimony, so well, yeah, because I mean, she has that great moment where she's mad at him, mm-hmm. and she's you know he says you knew about that. He says she said yeah, but now it's on the record that mm-hmm. you're a piece of shit. So, yeah. <laughs> um, um, also, um, I I did make the note. It's really great to have a Nolan movie that doesn't have a stream of bullets like riddling through the sound design. But we'll say that when the, when I knew the explosion was going to happen, I covered my ears cause like intensity jitters with me these days. And I thought for a second, like, Oh, okay. Maybe he's not going to do the whole kaboom and it's just going to be a, a, an effect of silence. And then just as I let my ears, uh, o- open my ears again, bam, it, uh, all the speakers hit me and I wanted to yell out like that. And he did it again. <laughs> uh, it's, and that sequence with the explosion does look amazing. Like considering that he did that practically, it's, it's remarkable looking. And it does look good on an IMAX screen, that that scene. Agreed. Yeah. Um, but remember, Zach, they were, you know, ten miles away, so the the shock and I, the, the I know. bang takes a while to get there. 
Well, look, when you're when you when you get off of a shift at work and then you go for a couple hours of sleep and you get up, you're not necessarily thinking about the, the, the equidistance of sound. You're just like, I'm here to watch movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. And I will say that like I know he gets shit for his sound design overall, but like I thought this was uh perfectly uh sounded perfectly fine. I could hear everything clearly. I have no complaints. No, no. I mean, yeah. Give Robert Downey Jr. his Oscar. That's all I want. Agreed. Agreed. Brad, anything you want to end on? No, I covered everything. It's also the, you know, I saw Oppenheimer like a week ago at this point, so (laughs) it's harder to remember the stuff that happened in a three-hour movie. I saw it at 11 o'clock. Yeah, well, it's also, too, it's so, like, dense, like the script. Not in a bad way. It's just, I mean... There's tons of scenes of people just talking fast about theory, and then it'll jump cut to them talking like fast about foreign policy, mm-hmm. and then it'll jump cut to him talking about the communists at a communist party. You know, it's like okay, yeah, lots no, like, to unpack here. Yeah, there's very little like just downtime of uh, let, like letting anything breathe. Like it's just constantly moving. So after we got our minds blown, meh. By Oppenheimer, <laughs> that you take back my incredible dad joke, boo. No, um, <laughs> deserved. Um, we also saw Barbie. Mm. Brad, do you recommend Barbie? I already said I saw it twice. So, <laughs> um, and so you I thought you, you hate watched it twice. You're the Ben Shapiro of Real Nerds podcast. Oh yeah. no, no, I forgot no. a couple things uh, that I could. Uh, I I didn't. I needed to get some more specific examples to put in my my review bomb on IMDb. Oh God, uh, no. Um, <laughs> I even uh, I haven't bought it yet, but I I want to get the soundtrack. So. <laughs> I know I, I I need I need I am Ken in my life. Yep. Um, I'm 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 shocked that uh, there's like two competing best songs this year for me between uh, Peaches and This is I am Ken. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Barbie's a ton of fun um, and way deeper than I thought it was going to be. Agreed. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, we'll talk about it in more detail in a minute. Zach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To hell with that reviewer who shall remain nameless. Go see this movie. It's a lot of fucking fun. Um, I agree, hands down. I was not expecting the depth that this movie was going to go to. Although, I guess knowing Greta Gerwig was involved and Noah Baumbach on the script as well, I should have expected at least a, a, a portion of that. But no, this film goes into some crazy weird directions, all for the better. Um, and I will say that never in my life have I ever heard a monologue in a movie theater get a round of applause. But uh, we'll talk about it in uh, after the trailer. But there's a monologue that got a rousing reception right in the middle of the movie. I was I was dumbfounded. So, yeah, go see Barbie. Bring your friends. Have a fun, fantastic time. Uh, yeah. On everything you guys said, I think it's one of the most fun I had at the film flex this year i don't know what i'm trying to say the film dome um, <laughs> yeah i yeah it's really great and um catchy songs um even the the pink song when barbie wakes up is really catchy um <laughs> there's two versions and, of it actually <laughs> yeah there is two versions of it in the movie and the the meta humor is so spot on that it's 
I need to see it again to catch it all. Um, but here's the trailer for Barbie. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Barbie stars Margot Robbie as stereotypical Barbie. And <laughs> um, it's her journey when she wakes up one morning and she doesn't have, you know, the arched feet and she has cellulite and um, her perfect world starts coming apart. And we get glimpses of why it might be happening. And she's able to break out of Barbie land and go into the real world. And um, yeah, and then more insanity ensues. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard like to unpack this film, you know, not because it's, it's hard to unpack, just there's so much going on. And that's why some people that are hate reviewing it, I know they haven't seen the film because there's a moment in it. And I know this is like, I'm starting at the end at the beginning, just cause I want to get this off my chest is there is also a, a bit about the toxic part of how Barbie treats Ken. And yeah. mm-hmm. that is not even talked about, um, which I think it should because there, you know, um, m- Barbie, stereotypical Barbie, has, you know, it's always Barbie and Ken. Why can't it be just Barbie and just Ken? Mm-hmm. And that's also, you know, an example of Alan, Michael Sarah's character, <laughs> uh, who's Ken's best friend. Um, there's only one of him. And all of his clothes um, fit him. Yeah. <laughs> but what's really cool about it, and what I think is really fascinating is the dialogue, the humor is all written as if it was a child playing with the, the dolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, you know, Ken's job is beach. <laughs> um, and everybody in this film is so good. And mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, Margot Robbie, um, Ryan Gosling. And I-, I love the evolution of, uh, you know, Ken starts off as, you know, Barbie's boyfriend. He'll do anything for her. And then he becomes the villain of the movie. Yeah, um, that's cool. Uh, because when he gets in the real world, he realizes um, that just being a man makes him, you know, more important than everybody else. He gets infected and that's with what, patriarchy. Yeah. 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 I mean, Which, he thought it was just horses, and when he found out it wasn't, he lost interest. That, that is my favorite line <laughs> in the movie. Um, but it is it deconstructs how people look at things, and even something as simple as when Barbie confronts the girl she thinks is the reason why she's having all these issues, and she tears Barbie down, because I, I know you guys have heard it, about why Barbie is bad for girls. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's 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 really fascinating to me how this film is so meta. It deconstructs everything that Barbie and Ken stand for, but then puts it back together in a way where you're like, yeah, these are important. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
toys for children. Yeah. I, 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 and I, I think like, cause you were pointing to Ken being the villain. I, I, I would, I would argue that like he's, he becomes a quasi villain. The, the villain is an idea and a construct of society. The, the villain is the patriarchy. Essentially that's the, the idea is the villain and the way that they use this along with the tropes that get associated with Barbie to turn it into a positive, a positive think piece about it, not just Barbie, but in general, like what we consume and what we atta- attach gender to. Um, like the, uh, there's a scene that like broke my heart and it's one of my favorite things Margot Robbie has ever done. Is when she goes up to, um, the little girl that she thinks is, is playing with her and that the, the girl with her friends just completely tears her down with the arguments against Barbie. And you just see that Margot Robbie has just lost it emotionally. She goes like, Oh, excuse me. And she just walks right off. It's like, it's a small little acting thing. It means nothing apart from the fact that you are just watching a character that you are being presented with an idea that diametrically opposes what you have experienced for the first, what 30 to 40 minutes of the movie. And you are, your heart breaks for Barbie. It's like one of the best touches. Um, It's, and it's kind of remarkable that they go to this very, not just meta, it's a meta textual element with Ruth Handler, the creator of Barbie um and where they end up taking her at the very end which is this white void um where she is like ready to discover things for herself um i i would never want to claim to know the specific ideal way in which feminism can is approached and how 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 I should respond to that i just thought that the idea from a story construct was fantastic and I don't think I've ever heard a better last line in a movie than like, I'm here for my gynecology appointment. <laughs> it was just a, it's, it's, it's kind of a perfect script. And I really hope it gets recognized for that. Um, come next year. Uh, and Ryan, you were saying that you hope Robert Downey Jr. gets his Oscar. I don't, I don't know if he should win, but I definitely want Ryan Gosling recognized for it because that's a tough role. And I, and he just handled it so fucking beautifully. Like that, that is one of the best comedic performances I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, Brad, you've, you mentioned that you love the songs. What else did you like about the Barbie movie? Yeah. A lot about what Zach talked about. Um, um uh, one thing i didn't like though um and it's not like it's not that bad but like uh the mattel execs like i thought <laughs> it was a you know a good scene to begin with but the fact that they're threaded throughout the movie it was kind of like it felt Uh-oh. like that like that was the part of the movie that felt like it would have been the lego movie to me mm. um i can see that yeah and i, I kind of just wanted to be in, in barbie land most of the time um mm. and just like with those characters and like i i think the the bits they do have are funny and entertaining uh you know like they're trying to get through the turnstile and it's like oh the, the key card does work uh <laughs> yeah. 
I like a, I like any movie that will remind me, man, I love Will Ferrell in movies. I want more of him, please. Cause I got into this, fun. I got into yeah. this job cause I want to help little girls <laughs> achieve then, their dreams. Well, it, it is interesting too, because I mean, uh, we forgot to say, but you know, the real reason Barbie is having this crisis is, is not the daughter. It's the mom who works at Mattel, who is drawing cellulite Barbie and, um, yep. Like, waiting for death barbie i forget the name um but it also seems too that everybody in the world besides the mom and the daughter are like cartoons um Mm -hmm. because even the execs where uh i forget the name of the guy who works in the cubicle but he he whispers it to one guy and the other guy and they go around the circle until it gets to will ferrell (laughs) and the part where they're chasing barbie through the mattel factory <laughs> it's um, just this really gray. Stupid. It's like it's this gray, like like identical, uh, uh, like lacking an identity space. Yeah, but it's very Scooby Doo, where hmm. you know they're running one way and they don't see her. Um, but I also will give hats off to Mattel for letting them be kind of like dissed throughout the film. Yeah, the butt um, of like a buffoons. Jo- yeah, the butt yeah. of a big joke. Yeah, because it's even funny when. So, uh, you know, Ken comes to the real world and he realizes that men rule it when he goes back to Barbie land and he does. What, what's the name of his house? Uh, Casa Dojo. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Casa Dojo something something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then that becomes the hottest seller. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it, it's just funny. And the way they incorporated music um, even before um, I Am Ken is, you know, Matchbox 20's push. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is a gag twice. Yeah, and it but it works so well because the well, yeah, the he's way pushing use, her around. Yeah, yeah, the way they use the lyrics and stuff, and they're like, "We just come to the beach and sing that to me for like four hours." Sing it at <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the best song I've ever heard. Yeah, um, and the the fight that they have isn't really a fight. It's this huge musical number with them <laughs> like throwing frisbees and stuff at each other. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the the first that... first time I watched the movie, I actually fell asleep like right at when uh, Barbie's getting a pep talk from the mom, and then I woke mm-hmm. up after like they ruled, like they put the Supreme Court back in order, and so <laughs> I didn't know how Barbie solved the problem. <laughs> oh man. There's <laughs> <laughs> another reason why I saw it twice. But yeah. That 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 scene where she's getting the pep talk and the uh inspirational speech, that's like the moment America Ferrera finished that that monologue, the whole theater erupted in applause. Like Ryan, did you experience that at all or was uh, it just mine? Yeah, uh, it was just yours. I mean uh, I had uh there's a lot of people in my theater and um I think it just landed uh differently oh, um, i'm glad I mean, that i'm glad i experienced that because i've never s- experienced that in a movie a- apart from avengers endgame but that was essentially applause the movie like i've never seen a dramatic monologue like that just get a round of applause out of nowhere yeah and that um, that speech too like i was like oh there's an oscar clip right there yeah oh, yeah, for sure. yeah yeah also speaking of oscar adjacent stuff uh, when they're trying to get people back to, um, when they're trying to, um, uh, get the Barbies back to, uh, back to their, um, high power positions and whatnot, and they're having to fool them through different, uh, 
appeasing to men's egos that my favorite one had to be can you explain the godfather to me yeah <laughs> that was a fucking great joke um can you also- just talk to me about the whole throughout the whole film about what it is uh That's good stuff i also liked how they would uh, occasionally throw like uh some barbie products into the sky and they like advertise <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> themselves yeah and I also love how they keep yelling at Midge. <laughs> like, like, no. like, oh God. Yeah. He's the worst. <laughs> yeah. I thought we I thought we discontinued you. <laughs> and you you mentioned Alan earlier, but yeah, Michael Sarah's like big Duke out fight scene in the middle of the movie. <laughs> oh, what does he say? I'm uh, never gonna get out of here. <laughs> construction guys, once they figure out they're building the wall upward and not sideways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Just yeah, there's so much to unpack in the film, and it's so well done. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's <laughs> it's one of the biggest surprises for me for the year. Mm. Um, I mean, there's lots of talented people, obviously, who worked on it, but that it's that smart and that funny um, is, I, I think, quite the feat to pull off. You know, you know, like this movie hooks you from moment one because the moment you see Margot Robbie holding a pitch, holding a carton of milk, pouring it and nothing comes out and then drinking it, but nothing goes in. It's like it's a it's it's it it actually is like a it, it is centered around how, as you said earlier, Brian, how a kid would play with Barbie. And yet they bring out this very adult concept out of it that is just so magical like you're right it is not it's a one of the biggest surprises hands down i know i can't wait to get beached off (laughs) Um, nobody's getting beached off here today (laughs) (laughs) i I love too how disappointed ken was that there's no job called beach (laughs) (laughs) oh when he's going to save people's lives i just want to hang out on the beach (laughs) when he's going through um man's world and realizing the man culture i love how they just stuck a bunch of rocky posters up (laughs) it's like this is the definition of masculinity is rocky yeah the whole uh is he wrong (laughs) i mean not really no yeah the whole furry coat thing is from stallone himself Mm. like in promo photos wonder what he thought of the movie (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and there's that scene where uh Barbie meets like the old lady on the park bench and it, like it was happening I was kind of like what's this doing I, uh, and then it makes sense by the end like oh Barbie you know is tired of being immortal she wants some mortality to her life mm-hmm. um, so it has more meaning yeah it's uh... well, also shout out to Rhea Perlman for being wonderful uh, as as Ruth Handler <laughs> Like that's it's a it's it's it could be seen as a thankless role, but she fills it with so much joy. Like she's just really good. It's nice to see her in a movie. Yeah, she. Um, so because uh, it's been bothering me, it's Mojo Dojo Casa. <laughs> Mojo Dojo Casa. <laughs> uh, house. Um, yeah, no, it's. Um, <clears throat> She's great in it. I mean, there's no really, there's no weak parts in this film. No, no, not at all. <laughs> and yeah, stay for the show-stopping moments of, you know, I am Ken, and then when they're fighting on the beach, 
they're like, ah, oh, we were supposed to vote today. <laughs> oh, that's right. We are supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> also, when he's, uh, when he's getting, um, uh, after his first blowout at the beach and he's at the, in the hospital, um, truck, and he's going through his whole thing, and I think it's the nurse goes like, "Why you were saying all that? I fixed you up right away." <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah, good stuff. Oh, and uh, like Kate McKinnon's Barbie, like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, weird, weird Barbie, Barbie. <laughs> yeah, weird Barbie. And the like, way she moved, because everybody knows the Barbie that had her hair cut and. Mm-hmm. Uh, always did the splits. I mean, I had a, played with a little too hard. Yeah, I had a cousin, and she had Barbies, and she always had that one that was a little worse for wear because you know you color on them and things like that. We're sorry we made fun of you behind your back into your face. <laughs> That's okay. I embrace it. Yeah. Can I can I be on sanitation? <laughs> <laughs> it's just good stuff. It's yeah. It's well done. Well mm-hmm. done, filmmakers. Bravo, Greta. And a lot of it was achieved practically, which I thought was cool because I totally would have thought yeah. it was a green screen. <clears throat> yeah, I watched how they did the uh, move from Barbie transition. Land to the real yeah. world. Yeah, the transitions. It's pretty cool. We watch things throughout the week. In a segment I call What We've Been Watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, what'd you watch this week? Uh, go to Zach because I I gotta remember. Uh, okay, Zach, what'd you watch this week? Uh, I watched a lot, but um, uh, one one that stuck out was um, I, so I like the Marx Brothers, but I've never watched one of Groucho's solo films before. Um, with Skidoo not counting because Skidoo's more of a it's not really centered around him, even though he plays God, which is not anyway doesn't matter. Um, but I've never really watched one of his solo efforts where he was trying to be a major star on his own right. So I sat down and watched Copacabana from 1947. Um, he, he co-stars with Carmen Miranda in it. They play a showbiz couple of sorts um, who try to get a job at the Copacabana nightclub, the famous uh, Copacabana, but uh, they can't get their foot in the door. So Groucho's character is given the idea that he becomes Carmen Miranda's agent and he's able to sell her and a fake French singer act that Carmen Miranda has to play. So basically she gets hired as one, but she gets hired um, as two different people. And they're trying to keep up the ruse throughout the entire movie that, Oh, the woman playing uh, the woman uh, that Carmen's playing over here is also Fifi, the French singer. And um, it was, um, it was a little I guess it, I I was prepared for it to not be good because I'd already heard that this film just kind of disappoints. Uh, I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would, but not because of Groucho. It almost <laughs> seemed like everything else was far more compelling than Groucho. In Groucho is kind of neutered in the movie, and I think that part of it is that I needed to adjust to watching him play a character and not specifically uh, having as much of his normal shtick as i'm used to um he is he is a sarcastic and he carries some of the traits but he's much more plot centric and plot focused which he kind of does in room service but it also kind of 
it, 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 it tries to meld two things that don't belong together per se. This one gets a little closer to what it should be. And it does have some great sequences with him, but everybody else just kind of captured my attention. Like Karma Miranda is very fun to watch in a movie. Uh, Andy Russell's in this film and he's kind of played like, I mean, going back to the Barbie thing, it's almost like the keys, the Ken of the movie. Like he's, he's, he's got an, uh, like the way you, he's he's got a kind of like a naivete about him that's just fun to watch him carry throughout the rest of the film um and for a movie about the copacabana i i I feel like that that should have been a review more like a variety show movie rather than a uh a a a a comedy a comedy uh hijink movie because it's it's almost like you'd want to watch a night at the copacabana itself and not this muddly plot but it's fine. It's 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 worth your time if you want to just sit down and watch something on YouTube because it's a public domain piece. Um, so you can you can find it pretty easily. But it, it was a little just it was a little disappointing. But I I would encourage people to uh, check it out just to kind of look at what the Copacabana was from a certain aesthetic um, and and idea. Um, some of the actual Copa girls from that era are in the movie. Um, and it, there's some fun farce about um, there's some good open door farce sequences in this film that I think are very well handled and very well edited. Um, but overall, it was uh, it, uh, for for somebody who likes watching Groucho just run around and cause chaos. It was one of the least uh, exciting outings I've seen him do. He does, though, have a great number that I guess was cut from Go West that they put into this film, which is a song called Go West. And the the formation of it is interesting because Groucho, the character, is trying to audition a new singer and they look on stage and it's just Groucho. But then they establish that Groucho is also in the other shot. So basically, I think he's selling a clone of himself. It's very unclear, but it's very funny. So, um, yeah, if, if you want to check out Copacabana, it is available all over the place because of the public domain thing. So just uh, tune in and enjoy uh, an interesting, if let downy kind of uh, Groucho Marx outing. Not a Barry Manilow to be seen. No, that's that's another thing. This movie is Ooh. seriously lacking Barry Manilow, <laughs> and shame on this film for not anticipating his his existence. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to take the title of Bad Dad Jokes all day long. <laughs> his name was Lola. Her name was Lola. She was a showgirl. Yeah, I'll, I'll come to you last, Brad. Um, I really only rewatched stuff this week. Um, Shout Factory put out Team America on Blu-ray with, <laughs> with both cuts of the film and tons of bonus features. Nothing new, but they culled all of the bonus features from the DVDs releases, which is cool because the original Blu-ray that has been available has no bonus features at all. Um, but I, I was telling Lori because uh, I, I tried to show Kellen funny things. And I says, I asked her, I said, do you think besides the puppet sex, is there anything really that bad in um, Team America? And Lori says, you cannot show him that. And I said, you know what? I'm going to watch it and I'll be the judge of that. And I forgot like how many times it's just cuss words. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's a great movie, but what really told me is like, yeah, maybe I should wait a little bit is the Kim Jong-il part where Hans Blitz comes in 
and he's being eaten by sharks. He's like, I'm a bitch, you fucking cocksucker. I'm like, oh yeah, maybe, um, maybe hold off on this. Uh, the movie's brilliant though. Um, and it's been a long time since I saw it. And I remember one of my ex-girlfriends got so annoyed with me and, uh, Brad and I's friend. Oh, you might know Adam as well, Zach, but when we saw that in theaters, we couldn't stop laughing and she was embarrassed because mm-hmm. we were laughing so hard at it. Uh, you're, you, you lucky ducks. I had to wait for DVD for this. They wouldn't, they wouldn't have let, I was too young at that point, but I and love that's why I dumped my girlfriend at the time. I was like, fuck you, bitch. Oh, Ooh. so origin stories coming out. I still love the <laughs> I mean, line. That's not true with that part, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's when I knew she wasn't for me when she wouldn't let me have fun at movies. <laughs> that's a shame. I still get a kick out of the line um, when he's a try- when uh, he uh, spots was trying to get him into the limo and he goes like, Gary, I'm not an agent. I'm not trying to fuck you. And my time is very valuable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my favorite line still to this day is when Gary becomes, <laughs> you know, a terrorist and it's uncanny, but that he's on the back of the terrorists as they're driving away and he's just flailing his arm. And it's like, it looks like he's trying to mouth something to us. Smart ass <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> makes me laugh every time. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's, that's all I watched this week. I watched that in The Last of Us. That's all I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Brad, would you watch? Yeah. I, I realized it was just some TV stuff. Um, Stra- uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds I've been keeping up with. And that's just fun Star Trek episodic. Uh, classic Star Trek. Um, and they're doing a lot of more, you know, for, for a show called Strange, Strange New Worlds, they're actually not going to a lot of Strange New Worlds. They're just, uh, doing a lot of character studies in this season. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still fun. And, um, it's, it's amazing to see that show on like movie quality special effects. Um, and then, uh, I've also been, uh, I finished watching the, the bear season two, uh, which if you've ever worked in the restaurant industry, uh, the first season I thought was more compelling because, uh, you know, the, the, the restaurant's really shitty and, uh, you know, uh, everyone's really angry and stuff. And then this season's more of like, okay, we have the opportunity to do something great. And so it's just a bunch of artists like trying to be their, their best selves. And, um, so it's a little less compelling, but it, it, it someone, uh, mentioned it's like Ted Lasso, but, uh, a little more grounded and a little more realistic, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a lot more positive in this season, um, but yeah, I, I, if you've ever worked in a restaurant, I, I think it's uh, probably a pretty triggering show. <laughs> yeah, Ryan will get some uh, get some flashbacks that that are not welcome in the household. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, other than that, yeah, I just been watching the main movies. I, I forgot to say um, before we end this episode, I, Helen Mirren, who did the voiceover oh. narration. For oh my Barbie, God. Yes. My, my favorite moment is when Barbie is complaining how she looks and she says, the filmmakers are well aware that this coming from Margot Robbie is maybe not the best. Yeah. <laughs> not the best <laughs> casting choice for the, to make this point. Yeah. Even, yeah. I, I have heard a joke like that on a radio program where they're, trying to insist that like somebody like phil harris would never drop a touch a drop of alcohol and they do like the 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 views expressed by mr harris are in the script and not necessarily his own it's like yeah. it was nice to see that kind of a gag return and just like completely bla- break the break the fourth wall um this week we're seeing haunted mansion i mean i don't know about you brad you're busy making a movie 
Um, but that's our in. film of the week. <laughs> All right, perfect. Ryan, can I join you to witness some grim grinning ghosts? Um, sure. Okay. Just make sure you get jump in your doom buggy. Ooh. Um, so yeah. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll see you at the movies. And remember, Bye. you are Ken enough, or you're a Kenuff. <laughs> yep, that's my next hoodie. I'm just Ken. Anywhere else I'd be, Ken. Is it my destiny to live a life of longevity? I'm just Ken. Where I see love, she sees a friend. What will it take for her to see the man behind the tent and fight for me? I'm just kidding and I'm enough and I'm great at doing stuff. Hey, check me out. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Thanks for listening to Real Nerds Podcast, a Nebulous Visions production. Stream or download episodes, read articles at realnerdspodcast.com. Stream us on Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Follow us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, at Real Nerds. Watch us on YouTube, Real Nerds Podcast. Email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Call us at 720-6Nerds5. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill, Mike at Plan 9 Studios, and Bolognium for all of our groovy theme songs. And that's how you fucking do it.